Hey friends, thanks for tuning in to the Church Planner Podcast. Before we started today, wanted to tell you about a really special opportunity. Our friends at the Micro Church Conference put on by Brave Future, um, happening April 18th through the 20th in Kansas City. This is for all of you who are wondering what is a new kind of paradigm for missional church planting and church multiplication through smaller expressions of church, what they call rediscovering the smaller way. It's happening April 18th through the 20th. Kansas City is being hosted by Kansas City Underground. It's going to be a great weekend. And they've given us four free registrations to give away. Normally the price is $90, but we will get you into the conference for free. We have four of those. What you can do to enter is go on our Instagram at Church Planter Podcast. And there you'll find um, a, a DM button. Click that DM button. Send us a DM with your email on it and your name and where you serve. So email, name, where you serve, and you'll be entered to win one of four micro church conference registrations. You just get yourself to Kansas City and uh, you can be there and learn a ton from our friends at Brave Futures. Hope you enjoy the show today. The illustrious Jabba bids you welcome. <laughs> I'm going to regret this. I'm Pete Mitchell. He's Peyton Jones. And this is the Church Planner Podcast, brought to you by Church Planner Magazine. Did you know that 98% of people say that they would attend church if invited by a friend, yet only 2% of churchgoers say they're actively inviting? Reach was started to change this stat to give people a better way to invite. Reach equips congregations to invite friends in a powerful and scalable way. For every check-in on Facebook and tag on Instagram, a donation is made to a kingdom-building cause. More people hear about church from their friends and more good is done around the world. It's that simple. Reach is offering a special promotion for Church Planner Podcast listeners to get your first month free. To get started, just visit causely.com forward slash reach and sign up using the promo code podcast. Oh, is that a mic drop? Is that a mic drop? (laughs) Boom! I had to... I had to blow a fart at the end of it just to to, to ruin it. I, I waited respectfully. Come on, man! That was like that was perfect. That was the first time I, I got their commercial and I was perfect. Laughing the whole time, imagining what would happen if I cut across you with offensive noises. Oh man! All I can say to that one. Oh, never mind. I can't say it. I, I was going to play a sound effect, but uh, I had the wrong button clicked. All I can push in response to that one is this button. That's it, man. Game over, man. Game over. <laughs> All right. So uh, our canned ad is in the can. <sighs> I'm like so proud now. I feel I feel good. Yeah. It, it, you're a proud parent. You just gave birth to an ad. That's what it feels like. <laughs> just... Congratulations, Pete. You have an official ad. Oh. What will you name it? Mm, uh, reach. Cosley.com forward slash reach promo code nice. podcast. A nice Jamie oh. would have named it something different. Oh, I guess we should actually introduce you're listening to the church planner podcast. I'm Pete Mitchell. Oh, and I'm Peyton Jones. <laughs> and if this is your first time listening to the podcast, you should go sign up uh, at Cosley.com forward slash reach. But if this is your second time, we're assuming you've already done that. And uh, welcome. Welcome indeed. Man, what a sucky summer for me. So not only did I lose my mom, but I lost yesterday my very uh, dear mentor um, in, in ministry of 25 years. You know, I was... 20 years old when I got back from Wales and you know, it's funny. My, my brother-in-law, I, I immediately after getting home from the airport, you know, it's, it's, it's a long journey. It takes about 24 hours door to door to make that journey with connecting flights and travel time. And it, it, you, 
you know, it's an 11 hour flight. So then when you get there, you know, basically I, uh, I was so jet lagged, but I immediately hopped in the car and went over to go see Andrea. And like I said, I was 20. We were kind of dating, um, but it wasn't official yet. And her brother said, oh, Wales, well, Lloyd Jones's replacement just uh, is going to be tomorrow morning at my men's study. And I go, oh, what time? And he starts laughing kind of impishly and says, oh, 6 a.m. And I'm like, oh, man, I know what a practical joker he is. I bet he's messing with me. He knows how much I love Lloyd Jones. He knows I've just gotten back from Wales. He's totally yanking my chain. But, you know, it's it's kind of funny how, you know, sometimes your life decisions are these little teeny micro decisions that you make. And they have this ginormous impact. And I went that next morning and I heard this guy. He looked like a hobbit. He was short. He wore glasses. He was balding. Um, he was a bit rotund, shall we say. And uh, he, he looked kind of, he reminded me of, of a hobbit, really, to be honest. And, uh, but man, when he preached, there was, <laughs> there was an authority there. Hmm. In fact, I remember the guy introducing him saying, uh, and now Peter Jeffrey from Wales will share with us. First thing he said is, oh, I, I will not share this morning. Uh, none of the sharing business. You Americans, you like to say, he is going to share. He goes, I have nothing to share with you. I'm going to preach, man. <laughs> and he preached. And I sat there. He, he preached 25, 30 minutes. And bam, he stopped on a dime. And it was the most masterful preaching I've ever heard. He took apart Romans 5. And I just sat there like, I don't know what I've been doing all these years, but it certainly has not been preaching. Hmm. And I said, God, please. It, it was kind of like Elisha just saying, God, you know, give me, let, let that mantle fall to me. Like, I don't, <laughs> which it didn't. But, but, but my point is I knew what Elisha felt like. It was just like, are you kidding? Like, God, you can, you can do that through somebody. Cause mm. I've heard guys exposit. I've heard guys give running comments. I've heard sermons, but whatever that was, there was a power and authority in that. And, and, and I want to know what that is. And, uh, and he was old school, man, but he had lived through revival, which had, uh, like a localized revival in rugby England where he was a pastor, uh, for part of his ministry. And uh, he was just, you know, I, I started writing to him um, whenever I was I was 20 years old as an assistant pastor. I was in a very dysfunctional megachurch and uh, the pastor was was in sin and I didn't know at the time. And I was trying to serve alongside him. And so I'd write Peter when things got hard, like, hey, what do I do? And, you know, I was so surprised when I got a response back from him because I thought, man, that is so different than like the rock star mentality. Mm. And to this day, man, like, I think that's seriously influenced how we are, Pete. Like, I, I know for me, um, and I know you, you, you're you kind of the same. Like, we just live and love to help church planners. But I know for me, that was a, there was probably nothing he ever did or said more than writing me a letter back. And to this day, I think that has impacted me so deeply because I was so grateful. And every time I wrote him a letter, he'd write me back. And uh, over the years, um, he became my champion for preaching. He would ask when I went to Wales, he he got me inducted as the evangelist at the church there. He uh, would um, he would he would call me um, every Monday morning for 12 years. If I was preaching, he would call me on a Monday and say, how'd it go, boy? How'd it go yesterday? Mm. And uh, and just listen to me, you know, and he'd say, oh, you know, uh, blah, blah, blah. and if he had heard it, he would give me feedback. And he rebuked me so many times, and I needed it, you know. Um, but he was also a great encouragement to me. He he would he would he would say things that puffed my head up immensely. But um, he he really, you know, he 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 supported me big time when I was twenty five, twenty six. He asked me to co-write a book with him 
Um, I think that was the first time I felt maybe I can be a writer. And he loved it, what I wrote. But and it was Preachers Who Made a Difference was the name of the book. But uh, the publisher said no. They said, Peyton sounds too different than you. And fair play. <laughs> he was a good writer and I was a weird writer. So, um, but, you know, it, it, man, I, I cannot even tell you what an impact Peter Jeffrey had on my life. He himself was discipled by Louis Jones and that whole generation of men discipled others. And, you know, just so he went home last night. So, um, you know, I, I did a lot of crying yesterday, man. That that hit me like a punch in the gut, you know. He'll be missed. So <clears throat> on this week's Mac Talk, it's nothing but happy talk. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. But, you know, it it, it, it is important, though. Yeah. Guys, um, I was talking about this. Let me say this real quick. And, Pete, I know you'll have something to say about this. Oh, no. Um, <laughs> you know, a, a lot of times we raise up leaders. And I was I was meeting with who I would consider my mentor today, who's a guy named Mac Lake, who I I you know I I think the world of Mac. I, I get around Mac and it's the same thing all over again. Like when you think you hit a ceiling, you get around a certain type of leader and you go, oh my gosh, the ceiling goes up another 10, 20 stories. And you know, I, I didn't know that. And Mac is one of those leaders. Well, Mac today was talking to us about, hey, um, if you're just training leaders, you're not you're not doing what Paul did. You're not doing what you need to be doing. You need to be training uh, multipliers. In other words, the leaders you train need to be training others. Are you training them to do that? So in other words, um, church planner, are you training people to just fill positions, which is add, you know, that's addition. You know, you're adding people to your team, but will your church continue to multiply without you or beyond you or when you're gone? Well, the, the, the way to answer that is you have to multiply multipliers. You have to train someone, like Paul said, Train able men who are also able to train others. That's what Paul was telling Timothy. He was hardwiring it into him. Train able men who also are able to train others. He actually, one of the translations is faithful men. But, uh, yeah. I you don't have, have anything any, to say about that. I have no comment on that. <laughs> I suppose in a way... You're training a whole host of guys to do what you do, knowing that some of those guys are actually turning around and training others. That's why I thought you might have something to say about it. Well, you know, it's funny. I uh, wasn't making that that uh, connection in my head. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, mm. I guess so. I never, I never really thought about that. But yeah. Yeah, it's a whole, it's a whole other level of, of leadership development, really. Um, but it, it, it's what we need. You know, when, when a generation stops and we get a generation gap, it's because somewhere with all the emphasis on training leaders, people stop training leaders who train leaders, you know, and that that's part of what a leader does. So you haven't really trained a leader if that leader, quote unquote, doesn't train others, raise up others and train them. That's not true leadership. You didn't train a leader. You trained up someone to plug a hole. And that's really important in your church plan. One of the one of my favorite movies, um, almost of all time, is "We Were Soldiers" with uh, Mel Gibson, Ooh. and you saw that one. Yeah, my my grandfather was actually a part of that right mm. before the battle. He was smart. He took off beforehand. He gave the report and said, "You're doomed." <laughs> and then uh, they fought it anyways. But he he spoke French, so he was part of reconnaissance for that. Yeah, one of my one of my buddies was at that battle, and uh, <laughs> no, I'm serious. He was. Are you serious? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, I was. That wasn't a joke, man. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, I was. I was in that battle myself. I I actually I can't remember which landing zone he was at. He because he he told me which one it was. He was. It's a really. He's a really cool guy, and um. He, how do I put this? 
he wanted to go to Vietnam. He was like, I think we need to be there. I think we need to do this. But he didn't want to shoot anyone. And it's just kind of a weird position to be in, right? Where you're like, I want to go, <laughs> but I don't want to actually do anything. <laughs> I mean, yeah. not anything, but you know what I'm saying? And yeah. he was, uh, he said, he said right before he left, uh, like he, the way that he told the story, he goes, it was as if God said to me, you're not going to have to shoot anyone. And turns out he didn't, he made it all the way through his whole tour without having to shoot anyone. And, um, so, you know, he, he served under Hal Moore and, um, because where he was at, he was like three air minutes out from LZ X-ray, which is, uh, where the, the landing zone was of the, the battle. We were soldiers. And, um, I don't know. It was, it was, it's an interesting story, man. But, uh, yeah. Anyway, the, the, what started that whole thing? I, <laughs> <laughs> you got me off cause you thought I was joking and I wasn't, I wasn't, oh, did. it was so funny. You're like, I wasn't oh, trying to one up you. Oh, I had a friend who was there. I was there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but no, I loved that, that movie because of the leadership. Uh, taught the leadership principles taught in there. Like, you know, Hal Moore's big thing was he goes, I'll be the first one on the battlefield and I'll be the last one to leave. And when they tried to call him away in the middle of it, cause they didn't want to lose him. Cause that would have been too big of a disaster and too big of a black guy. At least in the yeah. movie, he's like, they're crazy. I'm not leaving. And he was literally in the movie. He was literally the last one to take his foot off the ground. Cause he was like, that's what a leader does. And when they were in training, you know, he's like, you, you, uh, you teach your job to the guy below you and uh, you learn the guy above you's job. So that way you can do everything. And uh, I just, I thought it was really great leadership principles. And I was trying to be, you know, a good leader in a financial planning firm at the time, not really realizing that that's not my skill set. I'm, I'm, I think I'm a horrible manager, but uh, I'm a horrible manager. And, and, and there's a difference between leading and managing. Yeah. And, what, what I've really noticed with Mac is he's intentional. Mm. When we're together, he doesn't waste time. He's always doing something intentionally with us. So like, um, and I, I'll, I'll be sitting there. I don't know if you ever do this. Um, there's a, there's a name for this. Um, I'm trying to remember what it was. Uh, there's a name for when you feel yourself learning. There's something that happens in the brain. And you become cognizant that I am right now at this minute learning new things. You know, like when you have the aha moment mm -hmm. and you feel that and there's literally facial expressions like people's eyebrows go up. Um, there's there's literally a physical response to when the brain learns and they call that the aha moment. You know, the, the eyes get wider, the eyebrows go up, the mouth opens like. There's literally a physical response. Well, I'll be sitting there and I'll be like, I, I can tell. I can feel myself learning. I can sense that things are ingraining and new pathways are opening up right now in my thinking and my brain. Because that's a physiological phenomenon. You, your, your neurons and your, we call them dendrites, your dendrites are connecting. Things are connecting that never have before. And what happens is your, your brain cells send out things called dendrites and they're little one cell um, bridges between your neurons. And when you learn those grow and they're, they're microscopic, but they, they grow thicker around a certain subject. So if you're, uh, you know, uh, your pathways, if you're doing a certain type of learning, those grow and thicken. So people who play chess, They'll have a lot of dendrites in the in, along the pathways that they use to play chess. If they're playing chess all the time, if you're doing a sport, and then if you stop doing that thing, those dendrites shrink, but they grow back quicker. So that's why it's easier to relearn things. So the amazing thing to me is like, I'll be sitting there, I'll be learning, and I'm going, I need to always be leading people like this. Like people need, for, for you as a church planning leader, you need to be constantly aware that when people are around you, that is an opportunity for you to be transforming how they think, 
how they behave. And I, I, I think I kind of have this, I think, but sometimes as well, I just want them relationally to, to hang out. And Mac does that as well. I think that's equally as valuable. You have to create a bond uh, if people are going to learn through you. But he does all of it so effectively, and it looks effortless, but I know it's a very intentional. What it's is just inspiring, man. my master? <laughs> it's just inspiring. It's cool. Sorry, I just had to ruin your entire uh, monologue there. with My the- spiel, I know it was a monologue. I apologize. I, I will rein in ranting Peyton. No, no, I... I, I was just telling you before we started the podcast, I can't think of any good stories to share on the uh, the old Smack Talk. It's okay, but you know what? I actually have to play you guys a, and I'm hoping it will come across. I'm in Atlanta, and Atlanta got a very bad review on um, Waffle House. So Waffle House did not pass its uh, its its health inspection. In Atlanta. Well, which but Waffle I love House? Me some Waffle Cause, House. Because there's like literally one on every exit of the freeway. Oh yeah, and and it's just to me like that pecan waffle there, man. That all star breakfast. I'm in heaven. Eggs over hard, baby. Pecan waffle upgrade, and I'm good. You know. And uh, I'm gonna try to play this for you. I don't know if it's gonna work, but listen. Are you playing something? Oh, is it not working? Not at all. Oh, dang. Oh, man. You guys need to go to Waffle House is Dirty. We already knew that on YouTube. It's so funny. He goes, what did you think was going to happen? You know that Waffle House, you know that Waffle House is not going to pass its inspection. He goes, when I'm in there, I see the guy stirring his, his my eggs with his fingers. <laughs> <laughs> Why, why didn't you so tell me funny, I would have had man. it? I would have had it ready. Oh man, you got to play it if you get a chance. If at some point during this smack talk you get a chance to pull that up, oh my gosh, Waffle House is dirty. We already knew that. Kevin Azell over at Nam played this for the uh, church planners because we all got called back to the mothership. And uh, and he played this. He said, I just want to warn you is warn us about the rain and how people drive. And then he had to warn us about the Waffle House and Waffle House easily takes five years off your life. But God help me. I can't stop eating there. You know where I'm at right now, though, Pete? I, I haven't a clue where you're at right now, Peyton. I I'm at the it. Crazy Love Cafe. <sighs> now, Atlanta is like so the Bible Belt. That there is a Crazy Love Cafe, and Crazy Love by Francis Chan is on the counter. And I asked the owner, I go, has Francis been here? He goes, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, but, my first thought when I heard the name, I was not, my head did not go to Francis Chan's book. <laughs> I was like. Well, you know, it's funny. Why are you at walking- the Crazy Love Cafe? That doesn't sound good. I Right? So I'm, I'm, I'm walking out. Remember, remember when we showed that video where it had all the non-believers? Hey, wait, wait, hold up, hold up, hold up. All right, never mind. Go for it. Did you think you had it? I thought I had your, your audio. Oh yeah. So remember we showed that video that had the non, the non-believers and, and he was asking him, what does this mean? Because love offering and all these atheists and non-believers are like uh that doesn't sound good <laughs> dude i am telling you some of our our church planners god bless them they do not realize what they're saying on facebook they they literally have no clue because some of the stuff i am like do you do you have any idea what people are hearing when you say we're going to go love on some people i'm like yeah it's not good no and he's like, Pete, you just, you're just, you know, you got a bad mind. I'm like, dude, if, if the people in your Facebook feed all agree with you, then you are not reaching unsaved people. I'm just going to throw that out there. Cause yeah. And oh my well, gosh, I'll, dude. I'll never forget during the Jesus movement, our church secretary, she said that, that she and another girl, they were going door to door and they were talking to people. And they were saying, oh, you need to you need to come to our body. 
are, you know, you'll love our body. It's so warm and it's so inviting. These guys are standing there holding the door going, uh, you know, like, they don't know that they're talking about our church body. They don't know that that's a, a, a euphemism for church. And, and she was, she was just laughing going, oh my gosh, we had no idea. We'd become so Christianized in our vocabulary and in our language. We had no idea what we were sounding like. Yeah. You know? And uh, she was just looking back, laughing, going, man, we must have been giving these guys a heart attack. I, I, I hate it when I see stuff like that because I'm like, you guys have no idea or you're, you are so into the quote unquote church thing that you're not thinking about things like in marketing. I, I'm driving this into my clients heads all the time. You have to enter the conversation in their mind, not your mind. And it, it's it's hard for us to do, right? I mean, it's really hard for us to to actually look at things from someone else's point of view. But that's what you got to do is you have to start looking at this and go, okay, how is this person, you know, these these other people, how are they going to react to what I'm saying? What's the conversation that's going on in their mind? And when you say stuff like, <laughs> oh, my gosh, I still remember this one. We're going to go love on some kids. And I was like, dude, stop. Oh, no. Seriously. No. You do not know what you're saying. I'm like, dude. Oh, Oh, gosh. I just want to stop people from making those kind of mistakes. Yeah, absolutely. And it's part of being a good missionary, guys. You you know, to deny what we're saying is kind of like the same mentality when people are like, King James only, that's the only version of God's word that actually works and, and is actually accepted by the Holy Spirit to save souls. You must hear God's word because that NIV, that is not God's word. You have to hear God's word, and God's word can only be spoken in the Elizabethan old King James language. That That is the same mentality saying that language does not have to change. It's a translation. So... People don't talk like they did 500 years ago, 400 years ago. So, Well, I, I'd like ye to listen to what I have to share. <laughs> well, uh, bring it hither and on, my good fellow. All right, here, here it is. Anybody who's been to a Waffle House already know that they fell in their health inspection. This ain't news. What you going to tell me? Water is wet. Next. I know they failed their health inspection. I seen the chef chef in my Waffle House was scrambling the eggs with his fingers. He didn't even have no utensil. Threw the eggs on the grill himself and chopped it up with his hands. I was just wondering how he wasn't getting burnt. This man slid his hand under the edge, threw it on the plate. I know it ain't healthy. You ever been in a Waffle House? The floor is always sliding. Not the kitchen floor. I'm talking about as soon as you walk in, it's slippery. It's got a quarter inch of grease on it. I know it's dirty and I'm still eating it because it's 470. Give me my all-star special and my hash browns captain cover. Waffle House have a dirty cup. You send it back, they'll bring you a dirtier cup. We know it's dirty. Mind your business, Atlanta Journal-Constitution. We know what it is. You want clean silverware? Go to IHOP or Denny's. You want something for $5? Go to Waffle House. That's why we come there. We know it. It's dirty. So, ain't nobody asked you to write no article. And they also give you the food as it comes. They don't never put all the stuff on a plate together. At one time, I said, man, just give me my bacon with my eggs on one plate. No, they brought me one slice of bacon on a napkin. I said, why y'all, why y'all doing that? Well, we just had this one ready. Put it together. The tables are small. Y'all got 100 plates on the table. Waffle just got a plate on it. They don't never want to bring your food together. Why? One time, they gave me half a waffle and gave somebody else on the other restaurant half a waffle. I said, why y'all did that? He said, you're both ordering waffles. We both thought you was a little bit hungry, so we're gonna give you half now and half later. Just bring me my whole waffle at the same time. One time I said my silverware is dirty and they brought me a cup of hot water, stuck my silverware in there at the table and dared me to say something. What I'm gonna do? I seen somebody get in a fight at Waffle House. The workers fight each other. And nobody leaves. Somebody was at Waffle House. I was there. They got in a fight, got arrested outside, and I sat there and ate my whole waffle. I don't care. I want somebody behind the grill with a felony. Is he making that that uh, all-star with a little bit of fear in his heart? He don't know if he's going to go back in, so he got an extra piece of caution in it. I don't care if he sweats a little bit into the grits. Give me my grits. That's why, that's why y'all... 
be over here getting sick all the time because y'all eat at them fancy restaurants. Waffle House is like eating a little bit of dirt when you're a kid. Makes you strong. <laughs> Builds your immune system up. That's why your kids got snot noses and stuff. Y'all ain't eating no, no Waffle House. Get you eat, eat off with a dirty fork. You'll be all right. Builds oh, character. Man. So mind your business, Atlanta Journal Constitution. Anybody ask you to write an article? <laughs> It's like eating a little bit of dirt. It's good for your constitution. Bill's character. <coughs> oh, gosh, man. I think so I'm going to use that line from now on. Bill's character. <laughs> Makes you stronger. Waffle House does indeed do that. It might take some some years off your life, but definitely makes you tougher. We were out in uh, Florida or Georgia for a uh, a wedding. And we could literally see another Waffle House from the Waffle House that we were eating at. That's how many there are there. It's crazy. Man, I I tell you, I'm sorry. This is Peyton's podcast of death today. But I'm getting ready to head to Atlanta Airport to fly back home. And uh, my mom used to drive two and a half hours, man, from Montgomery to Atlanta Airport just to see me. And I used to get so worried about her that I wouldn't tell her. And Andrew would be like, you can't do that to your mom. Like you gotta tell her. But man, that that woman would drive five hours round trip to see me for like an hour, you know, before I had to 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 go through security. And uh, so I'm gonna go there and have me. Well, it is it is IHOP, you know. That's where we used to eat. It was a little IHOP there in Atlanta Airport. Some of you guys know that South Terminal. But uh, I'm gonna go have a waffle uh, and some eggs. For dinner on my way out so <laughs> oh, so should we actually get into today's topic <clears throat> we should indeed my good fellow well we should also bring up that uh today's topic is being brought to you by the bible inner circle head on over to biblewinnercircle.com could you like shut up and give us the money i made my Absolutely. money the old-fashioned way i got run over by alexis <laughs> Or there's always Bible Inner Circle, which, by the way, it's my turn. What's your Remember, turn? Remember, <laughs> where you can read my latest book about reaching the unreached. Becoming Raiders of the Lost Art. Cool cool story. Did I tell you that uh, Ed Setzer tweeted out about it? That uh, he went to Zondervan and there were 20 on the shelf. And he said, wow, he's like a rock star here. What's up? They go, we can't keep them in stock here. So we just keep a whole bunch more ordered and they fly off the shelf. Do you think that's what they were really saying? Or do you think it was like, yeah, someone meant to order two, but uh, they accidentally put a zero (laughs) after and so now they're just on the shelves. No, no one would lie to the Ed father. It's like the godfather of church land. I call him the Ed Father. Recently, I stopped memorizing scripture and started memorizing passages of Church Zero. Ooh. You got to have Dan Sams do one for the new book. I was going to say, you know, RTU, baby. RTU. Pete Mitchell loves you and has a plan for your bank account. (laughs) BibleWinnerCircle.com. I like that. I like that. You just. You just kind of sandwiched my ad between two of yours. I know, right? <laughs> what do you mean Pretty my good, ad? Man. It's our ad. I don't do Bible in a circle by that, myself. That's true, but I know, but it was like it was like there was your agenda and then there's my agenda and that was that was well done. It done should like be a marketer. It should be our agenda. That's where you're messing up. So really okay, I got you. So really I got three. <laughs> I'm saying you do. I only had to work for one baby. I'm liking this. You actually were really excited because you got, what was our texting last night? So here's the thing, guys. We use uh, we use an app called Voxer so we can stay in communication with all of our bivocational pastors. And so we finally set up multiple chat groups is what they're called. And so we have one that's just for ministry. And, uh, and I was like, hey, guys, you know, use this one. So that way, uh, if you got a question for Peyton, he's going to, you know, check this. <laughs> he's going to check this one uh, a lot more frequently. And so Peyton texts me. He goes, woohoo, my own group. And then I replied back, never come into mine again. 
Ditto. Cross me and you're dead. <laughs> <laughs> That's what happens behind the scenes, people. That's right. That's Don't right. Don't be fooled. So yeah, since you we- know what? I kept I kept checking. Like I was so excited. Like I have my own now because you know guys would occasionally be like in like two hundred like you know consultant chats or be like one like hey Peyton I got this problem with my church you know and it'd be like you'd have to forward it to me because I'm not I'm not weighing through all like two hundred consultant questions you know. See the difference and, between uh, you and me is I care about our bivocational pastors so much that I will. Listen to all 200 messages to find well, you, those ones that you, I need to You know to what's to. funny, though? You know what's really funny is I keep going back. I'm so excited about the new group now. I'm going in it, like, checking it nonstop. <laughs> like, I, I feel like Ursula on The Little Mermaid. Like, I'm waiting for people to bring me problems. You poor unfortunate souls. This one church wants to be thinner. This one's church wants to be fat, you know? Like, I'm going to – I'm going to – anyways. We've had uh, – I should just tell you because you haven't been listening, but this is the the second uh, the second week in a row, or maybe it was three weeks ago, that we've had a, a pastor that has had uh, issues with a demonic presence. I mean, crazy stuff happens in that Bible Voxer group, and so all have they, they did. Not- all they, they did, Peyton, to me about this? <laughs> well, since you don't pay attention, someone just took your last message and literally forwarded back to the group so it would replay into the group. Oh, rad, man. Yeah, because I do remember answering something. About you answered that. one the first time, and then all they did was they took that one and replayed it to this guy who had a very similar issue come up. Interesting. So now you really are happy that you got uh, your own chat groups. That way, you know, questions like that come up, you can address. See, this is where we need the soundbite. Chancellor, Sith Lords are our speciality. Yeah, but you know what? I don't have that one. What I do have is... It's from the prequels. I don't know what that prequel is. What's that? Uh, I don't know, but uh, excuse you. Do you have to go to the bathroom? No. So what is today's topic? It's field training, but you know what's funny is we kind of... You know, last week we did a bunch of smack talk, but... Smack talk turned into the topic, and we didn't get to field training. The same thing happened today. Do you notice that we started off talking about ministry, like, from the beginning? It did, but, I mean, it was, like, a very sad thing because you're going through the loss of a close mentor. Well, here's what I want to talk about today. I want to talk about field training because that is that is my passion right now. It's what I'm talking to uh, people uh, about that I work with. Uh, we've been brainstorming about field training for a while and always for me, like the way that I would train a church planner is, and this is going to sound really stupid. I didn't have an elaborate system. I mean, I had principles and I, I wrote all those down in book form and then we turned it into a course. And I mean, I've, I've, you know, I've developed a pretty substantial amount of, of content around that. But really, it's that incarnational aspect of training that I don't think you can ever truly get away from. It's it's where, I, I like I said, I know this is going to sound stupid, but the best way to train someone to church plant is to church plant. To church plant with them. Like, to actually be like Paul, look at Timothy and say, hey, you, you want to you learn to be a, an apostle? Then come church plant with me. You want to learn how to do this? Then let's go do it together. And that—that uh, that was how we train. Um, you know, Bonomo, Jimbo, Charlie, Ruben. I'm sure I'm leaving someone else out, but um, you know, and even like Langham. You know, I had to stay at the church for over a year with Langham because that's not the kind of church that you can just, hey, I'm glad you're here. Goodbye. Right? Like. You really need to walk with someone, even to hand off a church like that. And um, and he's why don't you, it why don't up, you explain when you say a church like that for people who don't know what you mean by that? So Refuge Long Beach was an inner city, um, very much an urban church plant. And when I say urban, I mean urban. I don't mean like Urban Outfitters urban. I don't mean suburban church plant, um, gentrified Long Beach. I mean this was the real inner city. We were in the city, we were in downtown, and it was, um, 
it was a rough place. I mean, it was, you know, it, it was dangerous at times. It was, it was rough. There were, we got used to it. I mean, it stopped feeling that way after a little bit, but, um, you know, particularly when we're in the park and not in the school, um, although the school, I, I gotta say, we had some pretty dicey moments at the school, you know, but, uh, that was, that was that infamous Sunday where the pit bull bit our Sunday school teacher. The guy made change out of the the, the restroom and the and the transgender prostitute used the 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 ladies room and all that busted loose on the same day and I just happened to be there that day was that all you on know? the same day that was all on the same day <clears throat> wow and uh, yeah I remember when it first happened we're like it's another day in Long Beach and we went through the whole thing you know <laughs> the transgender used our bathroom Sunday school teacher got bit by a pit bull and a guy made change out of the offering. Well, yeah, but, I just uh, remember when I I had the unfortunate duty of being the treasurer at one point. And I only say unfortunate because I really didn't like it. Like, I don't like knowing what people give at all. <laughs> I was like, I told you, I'm like, I'm out of here, man. I, I don't, I don't want to do this job. You got to find someone else to do it. But I still remember when one of the ushers came over to me and he's like, hey, so-and-so is taking money out of the tithe bucket. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, he was... He was one of our ushers, and the guy was like pocketing he the cash. He was helping with the offering, <laughs> but he was helping himself as well. He, he was, uh, you know, it was probably one of those mindset of, oh, I know the church would help me if I asked, <laughs> so I'll just go ahead and reach in and you know take a twenty, you know. So yeah, yeah, you know, I I took a hit for that because funny enough, when we um, when we ended up doing the um well we we had to deal with it you know in fact around that time when we suspected it um a woman check this out there was he was a single guy and there was a woman in our church who um (laughs) we'll get to field training next week (laughs) (laughs) i i know where you're going with this story because i remember it she she goes she comes up to me and says pastor peyton I'm, i'm i'm a little bit I'm a little bit concerned because I know so-and-so helps with the offering, but I was talking to him afterwards and he was telling me that he could help me out with some of my problems. And he gave me a 20 that had a certain picture on it that I put in the offering this morning. (laughs) (laughs) And she goes, and I know he's trying to pick up on me and impress me by giving me the $20. And kind of being like a sugar daddy, but she goes, but I'm pretty sure that's the same 20 I put into the offering. And my question was, how did you get it so quick? (laughs) So we had to kind of go around and say, all right, um, we, uh, we got to deal with this. And, and what was sad was I, I was like, Hey, this guy's been through a lot. I know he's come to faith. You know, here's a funny thing. He had come to faith. He had truly come to faith. Mm -hmm. We had watched it happen. We baptized him. Um, He was really, really growing. But, and and we would see this where people would get saved and they'd still continue to lie about stuff. People get saved and they'd still continue to steal. And Paul literally says, those of you who stole, steal no longer. He has to tell Christians in the epistles to do everything without lying. Stop lying. Put lying behind you. Like, just because they're saved doesn't mean that they don't have issues and problems. And so, you know, we were we were really, everybody was on a fast track to learning that, you know, you don't believe anything that anyone says in Long Beach, inner city, at face value, right? right. If they tell you how much drugs they do, you double it. Right. If they tell you, you know, (laughs) if they tell you how much money they made, you subtract it by about 90 percent. Absolutely. We had one guy. You you remember the guy who was like, oh, yeah, I was an MMA fighter. And, uh, (laughs) you know, my last fight, I made six hundred thousand. We're like, okay, and you you don't even make that in the UFC. (laughs) Yeah, man, we had everything from people coming, telling us their kids died that morning trying to get handouts to. One guy was telling us that Fred Price was his dad. Oh, my dad's going to be so mad that I'm here. And uh, Fred Price was an African-American TV preacher. Um, 
I think he was part of the faith movement, but it was really funny because, you know, we're like, well, I mean, technically Fred Price could have a child. But you, I still remember you, you almost said to the guy, well, then why are you homeless? <laughs> like, like that almost <laughs> came out of your mouth. But then you like realized, oh, he's just making stuff up. Yeah. And you didn't put yeah, him on the spot. Yeah, being a psych nurse definitely helped out with that. I, I, I kind of, you know, you, you just learned. And I think you, you develop street smarts really quickly. But um, you, you do have to, to be aware and, and, and be aware that people, they, they mean well, but maybe they've been on the hustle all their life and they've been pulling the wool over people's eyes and they come into a church and they just see, you know, hey, you know, um, and people do this at established churches too. I remember being at the mega church and having a guy who um, he came and gave me the story about my van broke down. I just need 20 bucks. And I said, I never forget a face. Like it's an uncanny thing. I bumped into a, a guy from Southwest Seminary yesterday, a Korean guy, and uh, he was a professor there. And I, I, I said to him, I know you. And then he finally put it together. He goes, oh, I did a vision trip to Long Beach. And you walked the streets with us and told us about the neighborhood. And he's like, wow, you remember me? And I go, no, I just remember your face. Never forget a face. But anyways, this guy said to him, he said, oh, you know, my car broke down, 20 bucks. I'm like, you know, you told me the same story about a year ago. And he goes, I did not. And I said, man, I never forget a face. I remember a conversation like back of my hand, same sob story. And I said, now, if you want to tell me the truth, what do you want the money for? Maybe I consider giving it to you. And he, he got all mad and started cussing and left because he was exposed. But we've had people lie. We've had people um, and we, we would just be like, hey, you know, look, um, we uh, we know the truth. But look, we love you. You know, like I, I, I don't come down on them super hard. Like you're grounded for a month, you know, or you're under church discipline. You know, when people are newly saved and they don't got it all together yet, mm. they've probably repented over a ton of things. But like that guy, he was just in survival mode. And I knew that. And I remember saying to our leadership team, we have to do this quietly. Um, what what I propose we do is we don't go like the Gestapo and confront it. Um, what I say we do is we just cut them off. We just get someone else to help the offering. And here's what we'll do. We will require that since people are dealing with money, that we now need everyone to get a criminal records background check. If you're going to be working in the Sunday school or doing anything with the money, including passing the offering. So we're going to put everyone on hold and we're going to tell them if you want to get everybody. This was all across the board. We made I, I actually, Mike Barry get one. I never told you this, but that's actually the reason why I didn't want to be treasurer. <laughs> <laughs> I wish you wouldn't have told me this on the podcast. Pete. <laughs> it's a bit awkward now. No, I'm teasing, but you know, it, it was so funny because, you know, like he got really upset and what, and I said to the guys, I, cause some people on our leadership team, like, well, we don't have proof. That lady said that maybe she's mad at him. Maybe, maybe she's making this up. I mean, we had our suspicions, but we don't really know her. We know him. We baptize him. He's part of us. And I said, here's what we do. And that was, that was what we did is we, we did this criminal background check and he, and I said, I said, now watch. I don't think he ever applied. Um, I don't remember no, him applying what, when I was what there. What happened was I told the team, I said, now watch what happens. If he's guilty, he's going to raise a big stink about it. And we'll know. He was still money. And we're going to let it go. Here's okay. here my thing. Come back in. And I don't want people to understand this. Okay. I'm the treasurer. So what that meant is sometimes I would help with the offering, but whenever we'd get the offering, Mike Barry and I would go into the back room or if we were out in the park, we'd go in the back and we'd have to count up all the money and all the checks and all that stuff and do the deposit slip and you know, all the stuff you got to do when you got an offering. And I literally remember going, you know, I'm kind of like, like Mike Barry was really worried about this. <laughs> My whole attitude was, dude, you know how much cash comes into this church. It ain't very much. We're talking like, you know, 80 bucks a week in cash. And I yeah. just was not worried about it. I was like, even if 
he is actually dipping in and taking the money. It ain't like he's taking a lot of money from the church because this church doesn't have a lot of money to begin with. I mean, yes, it's wrong and all that. I just wasn't worried yeah. about it the way that that he was. It was it was a few hundred bucks. I can't remember how much it was, but I, I said to our team, I said, now we're going to notice two things. Number one, if he kicks up a fuss and if the offering suddenly goes up. And the offering did go up. No, by a few it didn't. Bucks. I'm telling you, it didn't. As the guy who was doing it the did. treasury, I remember going over that. And I was like, because the, the only way the offering went up for us ever was by check. Like, you got to understand, this is the, you, I know you know this, but I want our listeners to understand, this is the urban church. And at least 30% of the people who go there still to this day are homeless, um, the down and out. They don't have money. So the only way that church survives is the people who are like, look, you know what? I feel like being here is where God wants me to be. And they pay by check. So yeah, it did go up, but it went up because the check giving went up, not because of the cash giving. Like the cash was always like, you know, it it was so little that that's why I was like, dude, okay, if he is taking money from it, it's not like he's taking, you know, a lot of money from from the church. It's just because sure, he's not, I mean, if somebody were cashing our checks, I think it was somewhere around 40, maybe 50 bucks a week. It that's, probably that's was that, yeah. that would, that is entirely doable, but it couldn't be much more than that. We just didn't have cash. Like it wasn't who yeah. goes to that church. And and yeah. I don't want to downplay too what people give. Cause I, I remember being completely humbled by some of these guys who were homeless and I see them dropping in a buck and I'm like, dude, yep. that means more to him than whatever I'm given means to me. Cause dude, he's freaking a homeless, homeless person will walk for miles to get a dollar. And I remember learning that when I went to that basement ministry in downtown long beach, people walk for miles because at the end of this Bible study, the guy gave out a dollar to everybody. I remember and he had you a saying full that of 200 people. And they walked miles all over that city. Some of our big speed people were there. You know, that's actually oh. not a bad uh, bad idea. You need to get a crowd for your event. Heck yeah. Just tell them you give them a buck after they attend. Yeah, they'd line up for the dollar, man. Yeah. They'd line up for the dollar. It was crazy. But, you know, um, the, the amazing thing was he kicked up a fuss. And I caught he a little heat because some people were like, what he was saying is, Man, you know, they, 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 they don't want the brothers up here and, yeah. you know, which was totally not true. We actually really strove in that church to give people from different ethnicities visibility, you know, even the white guys got to do stuff, but it was kind of like, you know, there was me, there was Charlie, he was Hispanic, but we were like, Hey, we got to have people from African-American, like, this you were actually specifically looking for that because that makes more sense in that area than it does to have yeah. a bunch of white guys. Yeah, I borrowed a, a preacher from another church. He used to come in a suit and a tie. And I was like, hey, man, can you come help us out? And he's like, what? And I go, I need a token black guy here, man. I mean, oh, I don't yeah, know how to I say it without him. it being. Yeah, I, I I really didn't know how to say it without it being awkward. And I just laughed and said, man, I, I need some brothers there because we're in a neighborhood. And I go, this can't be the white church in, you know, the 50% African-American neighborhood. So I'm going to need you to kind of be like an ambassador and step over. And he did, you know, TC, man, he I came remember. over. Yeah. Yeah. His, his mom and his daughter were at our church and they're like, please don't become like a brother's church. But Yes, you know, we're, we're, we think that's rad that you have him up there. And he would get up there, and he was the guy. I think, didn't we talk about him last week? He was the shotgun guy, right? I don't know. What didn't was the shotgun guy? Oh, he was he was the guy that used to talk about how he walked down the street with a shotgun over his shoulder. Oh, did he? Nice. Yeah, I remember he, he shared his testimony. He's like, yeah, he's like, I'm wearing a suit now, but I used to wear a wife beater. Bandana around my head and a shotgun over my shoulder. <laughs> that, was, that, was, uh, that was how he started off his testimony. Yeah. So... Yeah, man, it was it was crazy. But, you know, the the reality was and I think this was the deal was that grace had to permeate everything, even when people screwed up. There was a time for church discipline, um, but church discipline is always necessary when you have someone in persistent, unrepentant sin. The day I had the woman come up to me and say, hey, Peyton, um, I need to rent money and I didn't know how else to get it. 
because I'm in between jobs. So I turned a few tricks and, you know, I was able to pay the rent, but I feel really bad. And I said, okay, you know, thanks for telling me that. And, um, I'm sorry that you felt like you couldn't come to us and get some help because we would have helped you. And, but you know what? It means a lot to me that you trust me and let's just, let's just pray. And next time you're in trouble and she's like, no, no, I just got a job and she had gotten a job and she was good, but she needed to get that off her chest. Well, Mm. you know, she didn't, she didn't do that again, but she also knew two things. One, my church is there for me and has my back. And number two, um, you know, uh, I, I can trust my leadership that when I've really blown it, they're going to, they're going to restore me. They're not, they're not, they're going to point me to Jesus and the grace of God. And I think she knew that intrinsically, which is why she even said anything in the first place. Mm. But you know, the, the reality is that, you know, people screw up and they, and she was a new believer. She was just learning how to walk with Jesus. And it was one of those things where Abraham, you know, he, he saves, but he, he tells a lie to save his skin, you know, to get out of the jam with Pharaoh. And then he does the same thing with Abimelech or, uh, uh, uh whatever his name was, the, the king is, I want to say Abimelech, but I'm, that's not right. But, um, I was David, but, uh, but anyways, that, that's the reality. That's where people are at. And so make sure that you are fostering a, an atmosphere of grace. And by the way, the guy who's stealing money, um, uh, I don't know if he still goes now because I haven't been there in, in, in a while, but he was still going there for quite a while. And we worked through that. And yeah, I, I remember he know, took he, some time off. He, he took some time off because I remember when he came back, I was really happy to see him back. Yeah. Cause I was and we like, didn't humiliate. We no. never, ever confront him on it. No. And when he did. wanted to talk and he goes, hey, you know, I was thinking like you guys, you know, like it was because I was black and. And, and, and at that time, we had a lot of black people in the church. And I, I said, brother, look at my kids. Do you really think that would be? And he laughed and goes, no, I guess not. <laughs> For people and who really, don't know. As I'm talking to him. I know that he knows that he's stolen money, but he still doesn't want it. He didn't trust us yet enough to say, hey, brother, look, I was stealing money. Right. You know? Yeah. That's okay. I wanted him to be there to grow closer to Jesus and repent to that. You know? Yeah. And for those of you who are new to the podcast, uh, Peyton has got uh, black kids. That's why that made sense to him. <laughs> I'm just letting people don't know you got black kids. Yeah. 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 Well, partially black kids. Partially. You know? We we have almost every continent represented in my household. Yeah. Not, not so much in mine. We got the Irish and... Um, I think Jamie's Portuguese. That's what we got going on. Yeah. 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 That's like when Charlie says he's Dutch. It always cracks me up. Dutch? What is he talking about? He says, oh, no, I'm Dutch. (laughs) Whatever. He's totally Mexican. (laughs) So So, is. (laughs) Charlie Marquez, come on. So, anyways, hey, um, this has been the Church Planner Podcast. And. (laughs) Pete, we've done it again, man. I totally off-railed the whole thing by going, well, just explain to them what you mean by that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I was going to derail your ad, but I just saved me for the end. So I like that. I like that. Well, hey, real quick, if people need help with their uh, bookkeeping, (laughs) they need help with all the tithing stuff. Yes, Uh, once you get the money, once the money comes in the bank, and uh, you need help with it after to make sure no one stole it. Um, SimplifyChurch.com is a way to go. There you go. SimplifyChurch.com. Well, guys, this has been Peyton and Pete reminding you if you want to reach the ones nobody's reaching, you need to go where nobody's going and do what nobody's doing. Thanks for joining us for another weekly episode of the Church Planner Podcast with Pete Mitchell and Peyton Jones. We'd love to hear your comments on this episode of the Church Planner Podcast. Visit us online and let us know what you thought at churchplannerpodcast.com. If you subscribe to us via iTunes and have enjoyed the podcast, leave us a positive review. The more positive reviews we receive in iTunes, the more iTunes will promote us to other church planners who would benefit from this show. This podcast is brought to you by the Church Planner Magazine, 
which is available in the iTunes newsstand or online via churchplantermagazine.com. 